Welcome back, everyone, to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, still recording from the on-brand conference here in Omaha, Nebraska, presented by AAF, AIGA, AMA, AIBC, and PRSA, all the local chapters. And I have with me, um, let me get this right, it's, um, let me look it up, Stefan Mumwow is usually how would I get, or one time in, in high school I got Mumau. That was a good one. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah, Mumau, I felt like I'm all right, so I'm Samoan. I dig. Okay. I mean, I, I, I get called Barry is my last name so much, I don't even correct it. <laughs> it's like, it's fine. Yeah, it's like I, I know, or, or every time people try to find my tag, they're, they're typing it in. Um, I spell it B-E-E-R-Y, and, it, and I'm like, and they're like, I'm not seeing it. I'm like, it's two E's. Two E's, and, and then they're like, like, oh, there oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there it is. I see it now. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling you Barry. I think I think Barry is a is a much stronger name. I was even told that my mom was saying when she first met my dad back in college. You know, they're just kind of acquaintances, like mutual friends before they went mm-hmm. out on a date or something. And, and she originally like thought, you know, because guys all the time just call people by their last name. Yeah. Because so it's not step on it. Hey, hey, yeah. Mel, hey, Yeah. She just thought his name was Barry. <laughs> like, everyone's <laughs> called him Barry. So not only did she get the name wrong, like pronounced wrong, she thought it was the other name. Yeah, his parents could have done him a, a solid and just named him Barry Beery. That way, it would have he could have had both. And then, and then no one would know. Yeah, they would have no idea. Yeah, they would just they would just be B E. Forget it. Never mind. They would just call him Barry Barry anyway. They probably would. Yeah, same thing. They probably would for you. Yeah. So Stefan, welcome to yeah. Omaha. Again. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. I love yeah. Omaha. Yeah, and. Um, this was a longer trek, I think, because now, <laughs> yeah. last time you were here a couple of years ago, yeah. you, you just drove up from Kansas City. That is correct. And now we're now you're in San Francisco now. What what, what agency are you with now? Uh, first person. Uh, we're, a, we're a story shop, primarily a story shop. And most of our clients are, as you would imagine, Silicon Valley clients. So we tell a lot of technology-based stories. First person really sounds like you're putting it on your resume, acting like you're not self-employed, but you really are. <laughs> that would have been so much smarter. I've often said, like, listen, I'm going to start a smaller agency called Second Person, and then an even smaller one called Third Person, uh, where it's only just one guy, but he can only speak in third person. He can never refer to himself. He always has to speak in, you know, third person terms. I would love to brand that. <laughs> and I bet you would love to write the story. Uh, I certainly that. would love to write the story behind that, yeah. I know, I know. You're you're big. You're big. Uh, you've always been big in a story. Yeah. That, I mean, and that's that's what you're doing now. But yeah. I know your your even your favorite thing is like movies. Oh yeah, I love the movies. Which is also so. Have you, you have not made it to the Alamo Draft House next door yet. No, but I, I will admit uh, it's one of the first things I do every time I travel is I see how close the theater is to my hotel, just in case I want to go see a movie. And when I looked up the hotel, which is connected to the convention center. Uh, and I said movie theater, it pops up right in the same complex, and then it said Alamo Draft House, and I was like, I've hit the jackpot. Like, it's walking distance, and it's Alamo Draft House, and I was all excited. So I may have to head, head over there sometime this afternoon and uh, see what's playing. Now, and, and, and I believe their big deal, and I've only been to this one, they're opening up mm-hmm. another one in town, is that they, they do like a theme inside. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah, it's usually around one of the, one of the movies that are out. And the other thing, that Alamo Drafthouse does a couple of things that are unique. One of them is, like, there is literally no talking or texting or anything. If you pull out your phone in the middle of a movie, they'll ask you to leave. If you lean over and whisper something to the person next to you, they'll ask you to leave. Like, it, it, they, they want a completely quiet movie experience. The other thing that they do that, that at, uh, is really unique is that they don't have 
trailers in the traditional sense. They create all their own for whatever movie is playing. And then they play that. And it's usually bizarre stuff that, you know, they find online that they cut together. Uh, and that's usually what plays before the movie, before the movie's going. Just kind of weird, someone, someone's weird psychedelic dream of whatever subject this movie is about. And it's, and it's usually much more entertaining than the trailers that, that traditionally play. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, so out of all the, Al, I assume you've been at multiple Al sure, Al yeah. theaters. Yeah. What, what's the best interior one? Oh, for me, it's San Francisco. So the one, the one on the mission in San Francisco was built in in, uh, in an old theater, which often these Alamo draft houses are, and they always have something unique about the environment. Like you know, you walk in and they're selling, they're selling kind of pop culture things. Like for your office, you would freak out. Like you just walk through, and they've got every type of pop culture action figure imaginable, and you can buy them right there, like in the sure. movie theater, which is really cool. But it's it, it's got it's usually got some sort of bizarre layout where you got to go upstairs and left and then down another second stairs to find the theaters and that's how it is in the San Francisco one in the Mission it's um uh, it's old and it's beat up and it's beautiful and it, it just it, it makes you feel like if I went to the movies in the 50s or 60s what would it be like and it's exactly that place well this one's like a brand new building yeah well sometimes it they they put them in it. brand new buildings but yeah. it opened up around when. Um the Force Awakens was in theaters. Okay. Or they knew The Force Awakens was coming up. Yeah, and they themed it? So they just said, well, the, the, I think that, I don't think they necessarily, that they realized that, well, who, know, who knows what The Force Awakens, like, how would you theme it for that? Oh, no that's one, true. No one that's had true. any, yeah. no one had anything. So maybe it's just space. So they, so they just themed it, um, Emperor's Throne Room for the Jedi. <laughs> so, so they have the so the throne is there. That's so awesome. So you can sit in the throne. That's so awesome. And sometimes they'll do it based on the environment, too. I remember, when they opened the one up in Kansas City, in the in the lobby they had this giant hot air balloon, and they had all of these flying monkeys around. It was sort of out of out of Wizard of Oz, right? I mean, you're in Kansas yeah. or whatever, and you can get in the in the hot air balloon and take pictures with the monkeys. It was it's kind of a bizarre thing when you first walk into a theater, like what the heck is this? But they're they're usually themed around the movies because they love the movies. And for a guy like me, I love going into those places because it's uh, it's like walking into a into a movie. Yeah, that's 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 great. Yeah, love it. All right, we're gonna be re- right back with Mumawi. Uh, Mumau. 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 Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, Stefan, you you gave your at the uh, on brand conference here in mm-hmm. Omaha, You just gave your chasing the creative monster idea. Yeah. And. This, this, you've given this talk before. I have, yeah. It was born out of uh, my fifth book, Chasing the Monster Idea. Yeah. And and I, I, I just wanted to give a shout-out that you, you talked heavily on the Halo 3 ad. I did, yeah. And, and our old co-host and founder of this podcast, Nate Voss, I remember when that came out, mm-hmm. he was all over. <laughs> it sounds like Nate. He's usually all over that stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was immediately, like, sending the clip to the Master Chief yeah. documentary of 50 Years in the Future of the War. <laughs> it's a great campaign, I'm telling you, I loved and I, it. And, and, and he was, he was like, that perfect audience, and he was, that campaign just... Just hit him right in the middle of the head, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah, it's a, it was just such a, a unique campaign and a unique way to approach marketing a product, not showing the product, and really not even showing the time that the product is supposed to take place in, and talk about it in a way that if, if, if the events of that video game were real, this is what would actually have occurred, especially in the, in the, the 50 years period where, they, where they're, they're doing sort of a documentary film crew of 
what the war was like, talking to people who were supposedly, air quotes, in the war, and what that experience was like now that they're old men and going back and reliving it was just a, such a unique way to approach it. Yeah, because you're making a thing, not only is it 50 years in the future, but it's 50 years from 600 years in the future. Exactly, yeah, yeah, it's 2602, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's considerably farther than us. Yeah. How do you go about convincing a client to do something? And, and I know, I know, I know you didn't pitch that yeah. one, but you've pitched ideas like this before. Sure. Do you, do you have to be okay when they say no and just realize and then keep doing it again? Because obviously you're not, <laughs> I mean, not going to get a 100% success rate trying sure. to sure. tell a client, let's no. not show your product. No, monster ideas, the, the very nature of them, make them almost impossible to sell. And the, the only success that I've had in selling something that was going to be so far away from where the comfort level is for a client is to walk them there. So when I say walk them there, it's, it's to take baby steps in the way that you communicate something. If you just walk into the room and go, okay, here's your campaign, bam, and you throw out this giant you know, deviation from what is normal, the reaction is going to be hesitance because they've, they have, they've, they've not come to grips with why you did what you did. But if you can walk them there and go, you know, let's look, let's look at your behavior as a consumer. It, what, what is it, what, what makes you share something? What makes you buy something? All right, now let's move that into the industry that this is around. What's important in this industry? How do people react to this thing? What you're doing is you're walking them to make micro decisions so that when you show them this monster idea or you drop this on them, it's not actually a stretch from where you just were. To recognize, wouldn't it take something to like, like, you know, big to change your behavior? Wouldn't, wouldn't you need something that you know woke you up from the norm of advertising in order for you to do this or do this or do this? If you can walk them there, you have a far greater chance. So that's one. That's one tactic. The second tactic is to understand what it is that your client is going to be using as a deciding factor. The quality of work is very rarely a deciding factor for a client. Just how awesome something is isn't usually the way that they decide what direction to take. It's usually them translating your idea into their language. What will and, 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 and to be fair, what we're talking about is, is basically like full-on campaigns in a way. Well, yeah, I mean, really anything, right? I mean, if you show them but a I mean, website if you, design. If you, if you show them like four business cards, the one that looks sure. nice they might pick. This is like... But that's like. But what is what what's considered best? I mean, if you had if you had three ideas that were traditional cards laid out really nicely, and then one that was you know it's a die cut circle out of metal, and you're like, this is awesome. No one's ever seen this. They're probably not picking the die cut one out of metal because it it, it is it is spanned too far over over what they're comfortable with. But if you if you started off that presentation or that pitch going, uh, I want you to think about a business card you've kept. I want you to think about a business card you've talked about, something that you've pulled out and, and given to somebody else simply because of the nature of the, the design of the card. I want you to think about your own behavior and would this card do it and it's just a normal card? No. Now you've opened them up to be able to go, I don't have to span from zero to 60. I only have to get 55 to 60 and that jump is a lot better. But if you also understand what it is that they're gonna be evaluating you on, what it is that's important to them, they're going to be translating your idea into whatever they're being held accountable for. So if you know that, it's easier for you to tell the story of how your solution is going to meet that criteria. Okay. That, I mean, that helps a lot. So, so 
because we always think, you know, you see, you see like Mad Men, and you just think that the, you go in and you just get the sales pitch, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. But it's not. No, that, those those days are gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those days those days are over. Our, our clients now, are much more intelligent. Also, to be fair, back then, I, I think I saw some behind the scenes thing. There's only like three things they could pitch them anyway. They couldn't. Pitch yeah, that's them, a good point. They could only pitch them like TV, yeah, radio, and radio. yeah, and, and print. Yeah, you're right. So, so and, so, and TV was very very new. Yeah. So 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 that pitch wasn't wasn't. The pitch you're saying anyway, where, no. where you're saying, no. we're going to give them an ad, but there's not even going to be an ad. Exactly. We're not going to we're not going to talk about the product at all. We're going to talk about how you f- how you will feel, not only when you get the product, but when you engage in, in and experience the product, and then in this instance with Halo Three, when you complete the product, when the game is over, how are you going to feel? It's like this. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna take our our audience four steps away from what is a traditional advertising environment. We only care about you buying the product, but in this instance, they if for Halo Three, they really cared about what happened after that. How did people talk about the product? How did how did people share the product? And they really wanted to turn them from consumers into advocates. In order to do that, they have to make them have that have that experience of how they're gonna feel not only at the beginning but all the way at the end. Yeah, because you're also selling that is one product where they know they're they're going to stop using it. Yeah, oh yeah, there's going to be an end to it, and then then it'll it'll have a lifespan. So what do you want them to do when that product ends? Most times when you play a video game and it ends, it goes on the shelf and no one ever talks about it ever again. But could you? Could you if if the the nature of the way that they're that you're being marketed to the content that you're receiving and the other things that are happening while before while and after the game comes out are interesting to you and that fit your world you're continuing to share it and continuing to become media for whatever that brand is. So what is it that you actually? I mean, we're talking about these pitch and the monster ideas. Yeah. What, if, if someone says, what, what do you? How do you define a monster idea? Hmm. Is it just an idea that's bigger? No, that's no. Better, that's greener? That's the, got the, big teeth? The, yeah, yeah, that's all it is. It's just it's got big teeth. It's literally an idea of a monster. That has teeth. That's the only definition for it. Now, the, the way that I defined it in, in the talk I just gave has to do with the way that, that, that our, our world has, has shifted, that the advertising, the purpose of the advertising that we make has shifted. Our job used to be to create consumers, and it's no longer to create consumers because that's not how we consume. We, the, the, products, the products and the services that we share on a regular basis uh, are shared because we have taken a step towards them. And so our goal is no longer to create consumers, it's to create curiosity. And our, our job as advertisers and marketers is to make people curious about our brands, our products, our services, so that they take a step towards us. So now our marketing message has legs. They have said they have interest because they've come towards us. But what makes people curious is very, very diverse, as diverse as people are themselves. So we have to understand the nature of what triggers curiosity in people, and not just people in general, but the people that we're trying to to influence or we're trying to, to create consumers of. So a monster idea is one that first looks to generate curiosity before it looks to sell. And then when people come towards us, the brand experience paying off that curiosity is so positive because they've stepped towards us, they've shown interest, that then they take that message and share it themselves. They become the medium. So it's it's advertising and marketing. It's designed to make people curious and designed specifically to make people medium so that they become the medium with which communicates our, our marketing message for us. That we no longer need print ads or TV spots or radio spots that people spread that message for us. 
And 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 sometimes obviously it doesn't work. So if it doesn't yeah. work, does that mean the client's never going to do it again, or how do you talk <laughs> them into saying, no, that, this, "Hey, this is just a bad"? No, this goes this goes this goes back to understanding their what their need is and how they're going to evaluate your your creative. In most cases, if you if you pitch a, a monster idea, something that's a little bit off the beaten path, and it fails, it's going to be difficult to come back to that client with another monster idea unless you go, let, let, let me show you the behavior of our audiences and how what I'm about to pitch you fits right into that behavior, how we can predict their behavior a little bit stronger. And you can. Human behavior is predictable behavior. Most of us will create routines and the decision sets that we use to make decisions, they don't they don't change instantly. We're pretty predictable creatures. And so how, do you, how does the client then follow up with metrics? Is, is, is mm-hmm. part of this making sure that you, know, you get the proper credit for it or that well, they're able to track it? It depends on what the... Because me- some of these ideas, I mean, when they're out there, it's like there's not really a trackable method. Well, you're right, especially when we're dealing with non-digital environments, right? How, how do we track that? The end-all, be-all, the North Star of metrics is usually sales. Right? right, And when sales are good, everyone gets credit. Most of the time when sales are great, product development gets more credit than advertising gets. Right, When, when sales are great, it's a great product. When sales are bad, it's marketed poorly. Sure. It's usually the trade-off. That's the nature of our industry. Oftentimes you can look at the, the differences between similar products or the differences between similar ad buys or marketing campaigns and say to yourself, this is, what it, this is what it generated in sales and this is what this generated in sales. Look at where we are comparatively to what's around us. The, the struggle becomes when the products or services that we're marketing are wholly unique. But that comes around pretty rarely as a product that is no one has anything like it ever. <laughs> Usually the case. Usually we can find comparative metrics. Because even Facebook had MySpace. Yeah, exactly. There's always precedent, right? Yeah. I mean, very few things ever come out that are even brand new. You know, I'm holding up my iPhone. We all look at the iPhone as this sort of um, generational product that came out of nowhere. Well, not really. There were Palm Pilots that existed before it. They weren't phones. So we had phones. And we had Blackberries. We had Blackberries. We didn't have them together. Right? And, and so if you go back, even when you go back and you look at Steve Jobs' speech for that, he basically was touting three things. It's a phone, it's, a, it's an internet device, and then it was a, it was a phone, an internet device, and a something else. It, he, he was touting kind of three things, like, I've just put these three things together into one device, but I'm not introducing a device that's new. I'm introducing the combination of a device that's new. Which was similar to the, the pitch with the initial iPod. Yes, exactly. Right. I mean, you, you understood the concept of it, but you didn't understand the form that it took. And then when you understand the form that it takes and sees its, its value, now everything comes out comparatively. And now I, it's probably news to a lot of people that it actually has a phone in it. In the <laughs> yeah. Wait, I, have, I, have, I can do what? I can actually call people? What is, it? What is this calling? Why do I need to of? call when I can text them? I, yeah. just, I don't know why I would that, call that's somebody. That's the feature, I think, that, that was initially the selling point. Now it's probably the least used of yeah. all the features. The only, people that, the only people that call me are, are scammers, so I don't even pick up anymore. Yeah, it's probably, that's probably why you're not picking up any of my calls, but it's, it's probably for the best. Well, no, no, I, I wrote scammer on your, on your contact. So. That's, that's not why. a bad move. Pro tip, <laughs> go into your contact book, rename people scammer. Scammer. Then, then, then you won't feel bad when you don't pick up their call. That's correct. All right, we're going to be right back with Stefan Newman.
All right, Stefan, we got one more segment here. Sure. Um, and, and by the way, once you spoke at lunch, and I'm like, now it's a conference because it's not a conference unless unless like Stefan Numa is there. Yeah, you know that that's usually what I've heard from large conferences is that they can't actually put the word conference on there until they've booked me. I think it's actually the vernacular is impossible. I think the thing is you created the story that you've trademarked the term and yeah. somehow got that to stick. People don't really look that far into it. They just believe what you tell them. That's how it's how Spoken it's how like I keep, a yeah. true marketer. That's how I keep going around. Yeah. I tell everyone marketing and advertising is just lies and deceit. You just gotta be good De- at it. Deception deception is the other word for deception is advertising. That's that's kind of their they're symbiotic. Okay. Yeah. Well where do people go now to follow you? If, if, if people want to you know, sure. see well, more uh, of what you're doing. Yeah, you know, t- Twitter's, Twitter's, Twitter and Instagram, they can certainly follow me from a social standpoint uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well, but it's usually just me, you know, posting pictures of things my daughter does that are awesome. Probably not that interesting. But uh, Instagram, Twitter, you can follow me there. Okay. And she's, and she's only got a year left of school? year left of school. She's in college. She goes to Chapman University studying design. That's where I went, and that is what I studied, so I couldn't be prouder. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So what do you what do you what do you tell what advice do you tell her and her classmates right now? Oh boy, actually I just had this question. We we do a symposium every year uh, at Chapman, and one of the questions they asked was, "Hey, listen, as students coming out of school, what is um, what is some advice you can give us?" And the, the advice I gave them then I think is the same advice I would give somebody now. You know, I'm old, and I've been in this industry for a while, and I think I know a lot, and it's because no one challenges that knowledge you sort of get to a place where you're the loudest voice in the room you're the most experienced voice in the room and so therefore what you say becomes law and unfortunately i am wrong way more than i am right and what i need from somebody a young designer is to come in and challenge the norms because nobody else will you know you find these grooves in your career and you you resist conflict as much as you can, and you find these nice, smooth places. And then everything just kind of stays the way it is. But what I need of my designers is to come in and challenge those norms, not only from a, from a design and ideation process, but even from a, from a running the shop process, from an from a, uh, organizational process, to challenge what they see and to go, I don't know why we're doing it this way, but I'm gonna raise my hand. Why don't we do, or why don't we try this, or could this work, or what if we went this way, is to be the person who's willing to raise their hand. And sometimes, and I know sometimes you're, you're probably right and there's a reason for it. Yeah. But even being questioned, it's not a negative because it makes no. you remember. You're like, oh, yeah. I have to actually remember why we're doing it. That's right. Yeah, it's, not, it's and, not just process for process sake, that there's a purpose for that process. And unless somebody challenges, that, that process stays and it remains. And so I, I need the young, the young designers that are young, the young creatives that are coming in to continue to challenge the way that I, my philosophies, and the way that I process things, but also how, how shops are run. And, and you actually mentioned, you know, you finished your talk with the, the Halo 3 thing, which, which yeah. was, was nice because, you know, you started with it, you kind of ended with yeah. it. And, and that actually goes back to what you're saying, too. You said it was two young people came in and pitched that idea to the creative yeah, director. exactly. And, and, and challenged... the creative director, listen. Yeah, which, which um, I mean, at, at a larger agency, you go, yeah, you know, I'm sure it, it happens from time to time. But it, it is, it's an awful lot of courage it takes to challenge a creative director. There's a small fire in the parking lot. Yeah, oh. somebody must have threw a smoke on some smoke chips over there. It's right there. It's like There's a fire in the parking lot. Like, yeah. I can see that. I, I, Do you work here? No. No, no. no you look very professional. No, no we're, just, you know we're just sitting here podcasting. So. <laughs> oh, okay. But oh. now that there's a fire, I, 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 I now oh, there's all kinds of jokes that come out. Huh. But it has any other Yeah. Like, it doesn't 
What is it? What is it that's on fire? Wood chips, like in a little flat area, you know? Flower bed. I mean, you can see the flame. Somebody lit it. Well, somebody probably threw a smoke on it. Oh. I tried to kick it out. Okay, I lied. So I thought that it was a conference once I saw you on stage. No, it's a conference when, like, literally the place is on fire. Yeah. I, I usually like to... And, and by the way, we're just sitting here in, in the coat check room because I saw two chairs and a table about the right size. So, sure. So that's why people sure. are coming up here. But. but a moment ago, on break, I went out there and lit a fire. So they, told me to, they, they told me to light a fire under our, under our attendees. Oh, man. And I took it a little literally. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to... I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not good. Yeah, I, I like I like the fire. I can see it. It's you can see it right there. The smoke. Oh yeah. Oh man. That's good stuff. Well, not for the person who parked right there, but for. I think I I think I parked a few rows over, so I think I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> and you obviously didn't drive in, but uh, some, I, someone's not coming home tonight. I did not place that fire in the right spot. I thought that was your car. Oh well. Yeah, I should have. There's there's a reason I, I I make sure to park when you don't see me. Yeah, there's a there's a bumper sticker of a berry on it. I thought that was oh. you. That's how it was. So yeah, yeah. that happens. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Stefan, we, we thank you for your time. Oh, it is my Hopefully pleasure. This Thanks fire, for having Hopefully this fire goes out. Uh, you know, even if it doesn't, I'm gonna leave before then, so I can see it on the news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, down. You know, in the in the, in the middle of uh, West West Omaha. Yeah, it happens. Right by the Costco. <laughs> And the Cabela's. <laughs> Maybe it's an outdoor thing. Maybe it's an experiential ad. Now, Cabela's, is that, is that the whole reason the stores are like that? Is, it's like it's experiential. Yeah. yeah. Experiential. It's, it's so that you're immersed in the world with which you're buying. You're it's, immersed with the dead, the death. Yes, with, with, yeah, for the most part, dead animals. Yeah. They do have some live animals, like in the fish tanks, but for the most part, it's dead animals. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of those have, like, little plaques that say who... who Gave them to them. Who, who shot them? Yeah. Who who caused the death? Yeah. It's it, that's it's a point of pride usually for the people who um, would uh, patronize that establishment. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna put a plaque out there. We uh-huh. put out the fire with the fire that says. That, yeah. We'll, we'll 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 somehow like I don't know shellac the burn uh-huh. remains. Yeah. Put a plaque. Okay. Caused by Stefan Mumau. Stefan Mumau was here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not going to spell your name. Right. No, of course not. Well, it's okay. You can't. Just write. No going to pronounce it right anyway. So. Well, write enough to where people will think it's you. Speaking of which, <laughs> I just saw you. You got credit for for now. You're you're drawing I the daily. I did. I did. Yeah. Booker. Yeah. From uh, Booker. from Booker. Yeah. He. Um. I saw that too, and I'm like, you know, I, I appreciate it, but I'm pretty sure this is Booker, and he and I, he and I have gone back and forth a little bit. Like, you know, he's he's starting to uh, outsource it, but you know, obviously. He's in L.A., so he's running sweatshops and doing so. And so we've been going back and forth a little bit on social. But uh, he is considerably more talented than I. And the only time we're ever going to get confused is in name. Uh, certainly not in talent. And then there's the third, the third Stefan. Yeah, Sagmeister. But, but you, so, you know. You, a little if, out of my league, yeah. But I mean, but I mean if, if somebody, like, all of a sudden has, like, a video of a streaker 
and then they tag. They're like, well, it was Stefan. Oh, it must be Moomau. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that Sagmeister, I would probably take credit for it. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've gotten a picture with Sagmeister. I've gotten a picture with Booker, but I've never had the three of us together. And Booker think, has said that he and Sagmeister have had a picture, but I took the photo of those two together. I think you did. Yeah. So. So there, there's, there's got to be a coming together so of the industry. So all of the Stefans have met, but not all three. But not all three. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think if the, if we were a totem pole, I think I'd be holding the other two guys up. I'm pretty sure I'm the bottom of that totem pole. I don't I don't know I don't know how if, if you go with structural if, if you go with uh, no, if, age, if it's it, if it, talent I, I would I would go with notoriety and talent and I'm I'm definitely holding those two guys up. Okay. Yeah. For for sure, holding those two guys up. I mean, that's why they're tagging you. That that's why well, I think somebody else tagged me and. As much as I wanted to take credit, because I truly do believe in the art of deception, uh, it's just too easy on, on Twitter to figure out that that was not me. Well, since we've never seen all three of you at the same time, I'm sure there's a story there. Perhaps there is. And I'm, and I'm sure we can... Uh, uh, there there might be that. alter egos, yeah. 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 I, I, I'm pretty sure that they'd be slumming if they were mine, but that's all right. I'm, I'm okay with it. All right. Well, we'll catch up, we'll catch up with you soon, and uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, bud. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dustlab. <laughs>